0: Hi, and welcome to Health, Wealth, and the Pursuit of Happiness, a podcast that will empower you to live a more inspired life and find real freedom. Each episode, Mark Dale Mazer and Aries Jimenez discuss best life practices, covering topics ranging from health and well-being, to true wealth and our relationship to money, to understanding what real freedom and happiness really is. They provide tools and a system for helping you live a balanced, authentic life In complete harmony with your mind, body, and soul.
1: Greetings and salutations. Aries, how are you? I'm doing great,
2: Mark. Glad to be back in the studio.
1: Oh, yes. It's a blessed place to be. We love the studio. We could be here every day, and maybe someday we will be here every day. But for now, we're here every week or every other week. And today's topic is a good topic. And we can get broad and we can get deep with this one. And I think that's what we're going to do. But before we do that, we have one little housekeeping item to share. We are recording this on a Thursday afternoon. In our office. In our office. We are, would you say, roughly a mile from Miramar Air Base? Maybe less? Maybe more? No, more than that. You think so? Okay. Yeah. So we're close. Close enough that it's very possible that you will hear jet fighters literally sort of, what do they call that when they? Flybys? Flybys? No, and they kind of like, they go super low. There's a name for that. Can't remember what it is. I just
2: think a top gun when he does that flyby next to the towers.
1: We'll go with a flyby. (laughs) Yeah. So we got flybys coming in here. So if it gets extremely loud and you're wondering what that is, that's likely an F-16 or an F-15 going
2: Training for the upcoming annual Miramar right. Air Show. Yes, exactly. Which happens in late September, I believe early October every year.
1: It's a pretty interesting experience. One thing it does on a regular basis is set off all the car alarms in the parking lot. So it you sure might hear does. a little bit of that too, but bear with us. We're going to persevere and we know you will too. All righty? So let's begin, my friend. Let's do it. First, we're going to regroup. We're going to back it up a little bit. Talk about why we're doing this little... Episode on self worth and departing from our normal protocol here for season two, which is interviewing subject experts. And they will continue to float in and out, and we will continue to float in and out as we deem necessary. We're taking this little break from the interviews because we thought it was really important to take a look at some of the foundational stones of a life of well being. And in the research that we did, we came up with this really great list of 16 distinct and recurring constructs to describe well-being, or state of well-being.
2: And we didn't create the list, we actually found the list.
1: That is correct. And we found it on a website that I believe we shared with you earlier, habitsforwellbeing.com. And we're gonna review the list of 14, and then we're gonna come back to number eight. And that's where we're gonna take our deep dive. So the 14 top ones were happiness, which is feeling happy and cheerful, vitality, which is feeling energetic and full of energy, Calmness, feeling calm and relaxed. Optimism, which is being optimistic and hopeful. Involvement, feeling completely involved and engaged in what we do. We're not detached from people. We're not detached from the world around us. Awareness, being in touch with how we feel. Acceptance, which is in this case, accepting yourself the way you are. Self-worth, liking or loving yourself. Competence feeling highly effective at what you do, development, feeling you are improving, developing, and advancing. There's purpose, having a purpose and a mission in life, significance, feeling what you do is worthwhile, congruence, feeling that what you do is consistent with how you see yourself. And then lastly, connection, feeling close and connected to the people around you. All 14 of these constructs make up one's overall sense and feeling of well-being. And we don't have any issue with these at all. Some of these we think are extremely important and more important than others. And for that reason, we've picked number eight, self-worth. Now one might be wondering, well what makes that more important than the others? Well, that is a great question. And that's what we're going to explore. And what we hope for, is that our listening audience will, one, learn a few things, become more aware of these different constructs, and particularly the role that self-worth plays. And I think where Aries and I are on the same page is self-worth has so much to do with how we make decisions and the behavior that we actually conduct ourselves in. Because You could imagine the two different distinctive ways of behaving if you have a very high degree in belief in your worth as self, meaning that you are worthy of every good thing that could come your way. I think the odds of a lot of things coming your way the way you want them, I think, are higher than the person that has a very low self-worth and doesn't feel they are worthy of receiving anything good on the other extreme. Because as we know, one of the laws in the universe is like attracts like. So our stance here is to explore self-worth. And so in doing that, Aries, who is pretty much the god of research (laughs) and likely an off the charts fact finder in Colby, like most of our subjects, takes the lead on the research and he's come up with some really interesting things. One is a website which is called positivepsychology.com, forward slash self-worth. This is really interesting. But in that website, before we get into some more of the details about the website, were a bunch of quotes on self-worth.
2: Yeah, these quotes were actually in the article that I came across, which is a great article. The actual one, make sure we give credit where credit is due. The article that came across on the website, again, positivepsychology.com, forward slash self-worth was written by Courtney Ackerman, who's a graduate of the Positive Organizational Psychology and Evaluation Program at Claremont Graduate University. Claremont here in California? I'm not quite sure about that. Okay. But in her article, she has a number of different quotes, 12 of them actually, regarding self-worth. And Mark and I thought it'd be a great idea to share a few of them with you today. Indeed. So Mark, if you don't mind, maybe you start with... We'll alternate. We'll do one, you do one. Yeah, that
1: works. Here we go. My favorite, top of the list for me, Buddha. Buddha says, and I quote, you yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection.
2: Louise L. Hay says it this way, loving ourselves works miracles in our lives. Nice. Sahaj Kohli The fact that someone else
1: loves you doesn't rescue you from the project of loving yourself.
2: Brigham Young, why should we worry about what others think of us? Do we have more confidence in their opinions than we do our own?
1: Hmm. A lot to think about there.
2: Ram Das.
1: your problem is you're afraid to acknowledge your own beauty. You're too busy
2: holding on to your unworthiness. And then Stacy Charter, don't rely on someone else for your happiness and self-worth. Only you can be responsible for that. If you can't love and respect yourself, no one else will be able to make that happen. Accept who you are completely, the good and the bad, and make changes as you see fit, not because you think someone else wants you to be different. Yes.
1: Powerful quotes, man. Very
2: powerful quotes.
1: I noticed some parallels in all of these quotes, common themes. How about you?
2: Yeah, I I do too. What comes up for
1: you on the common themes?
2: One, I think loving ourselves is ultimately, I mean, it's it's our responsibility. That's where, where it starts. I also think about maybe the struggle or the challenge of just caring about maybe what other People think on the outside or, or their influence on how we view ourselves.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, similar for me. It's clearly an inside game. And anytime we look outside of ourselves, truthfully, there really is no answer. But when we look inside ourselves, that begs the question like, okay, what's the distinction between outside ourselves and inside ourselves? So I think there's two things there. The thing that comes up for me is that if we are truly, and I do think this, if we are truly all creations of a greater being or force in the universe, I cannot find really any argument that one should be distinctly more worthy than another. Now, it is true that we all have different skills. We all look different. We all behave and we act differently. But I think that those should not be the measuring sticks. And I'm not so sure why we believe those kinds of things need to be measuring sticks. I think we've been sort of sold an illusion or a lie here. Don't ask me how, don't ask me by whom. But I think some of the most successful, balanced, and greatest humans that walked the earth, the sages, the masters before us, and the list is fairly short but significant. I believe all these people had one thing in common and I think that they had a very strong sense of self-worth. And I think what made them that way is that they knew who they were and they had that deep conviction, that deep knowing with a capital K of who they were as simply a manifestation of the creator.
2: And I'd like to add to that, it's not just they had a deep understanding of who they were, but also who others were Correct, as well. Equally with them. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and so when we think of sort of a a utopic vision of this concept, I think that's where it starts. And I think anything other than that, Honestly, it makes no sense to me. So.
2: so, Mark, what is self-worth? What is self-worth? Yeah. I mean, based off of the article, yeah, the article touches on it and that self-worth is actually the most vital self in quotation marks concept of them all because you have self-worth, you have self-esteem, you have self-confidence. I mean, the list goes on and on but this is the most vital and it means you value yourself right that and self-value means that you're worthy worthy of something right and the webster merriam webster dictionary defines it as a feeling that you are a good person who deserves to be treated with respect now most of the definitions that we've shared on the podcast in previous episodes I feel like the definition is a lot more than just that, right? And so, let's dig into that a little bit. When I think about self-worth, it's what are we or where do we find the value or in terms of like being worthy of something, what exactly is that? Is it worthy of love? Is it worthy of respect, like it was like we touched on here in the the Webster definition? What exactly is it that we're looking to be worthy of? Yeah, I think it's worthy of all
1: good things. So when I continue to kind of wrestle with the subject, I try to kind of shift gears in terms of how I'm viewing it, how I talk about it. And the thing that comes up for me so strong, for those of you listening, and I know that you've read some of Jerry and Hester Hicks' some of their work? I have. You have? Yes. Yeah, because we've talked about that and, and there may be many others in our listening audience that have, and it doesn't matter whether you have or you haven't. But she does something very interesting when she talks about this subject, which is there's a clear message that comes through that we all have this tendency to not feel we're worthy of this, that, or the other thing. It could be, I'm not worthy of good health. I'm not worthy of really having the house, the dream house that I always wanted. I'm not worthy of having close, loving relationships. And if you were to sort of test the waters and imagine how you're living, just picture for a moment what it would be like if you could live a life in which you honestly, in your heart of hearts, felt that everything that you ever wanted to do, to be, or to have, you're actually worthy of receiving. Now, we'll make the little assumption in the last trick here saying, provided that it brings no harm or hurt or pain to others, including yourself, really. So whatever is in the context of what you feel in your heart of hearts, you would really want. Imagine living that way, deserving it fully or not deserving it fully, being worthy of receiving it or not being worthy of receiving it. And then ask yourself a question. If I'm honestly sitting here thinking, I don't deserve it, or I am not worthy of it, ask yourself, is that really true? And can you really honestly come up with an answer as to why that would be true for you and see what comes up for you? Because I think you're going to be hard-pressed to truly understand why you can't accept that unless you're somehow hardwired to believe you are not worthy? And then ask yourself the question, if you could have a choice between being worthy or not worthy, and if you can muster enough sort of fantasy, if you will, to see what it feels like if you actually are worthy, what's to say you can't choose that? If you can create the feeling that I'm worthy, then why would you not choose that? If you can create the belief that I'm worthy, why would you not choose that? Because going about life, feeling not worthy versus worthy, I think can make all the difference in the world, in your happiness and well-being. And I could almost go to the bank that your experience would be different, totally different. And then you got to ask yourself, why is that? So, I mean, it's either true or it's not true. <laughs> I just think it's really interesting. And is it true that on some days you are worthy and some days you're not worthy? And is that, again, just kind of coming down to a feeling? And where is that coming from? Where is that coming from?
2: I mean, some of the things that come to mind for me is that a lot of times, maybe even not knowing it, but we have a certain, I don't know if they're expectations or or contingencies. Example. Like, I'm not worthy of, let's just say, I'm not worthy of a loving relationship for example why aren't you worthy of that and it could be well i'm not why would someone love me okay well with love with true love unconditional love there is no condition correct right So you take that out of the equation but it could be through our own life experiences that we might have say loved someone or maybe someone loved us and then stopped loving us because of something And we just naturally have those beliefs that in order for me to be lovable, like I can't be this or I have to be that, right? We put certain conditions on. Conditions, correct. I mean, those are some of the things that come to mind. When I think of worthiness, back to some of the things that we touched on here, I mean, worthy, worth, value. So what is it that you value? Or what is it that the other person in this case that should love me What do they value? And do I have that?
1: Yeah. And is it conditional? Again, do you have to have that? No. My point being that we've constructed a certain way of thinking around this conditional concept. And it doesn't really matter where it came from. But if it is there, I think it's skewing our perspective. And I think that we should be considering the fact that if we're aware of it and it doesn't make sense to us and it may not resonate deeply within us that we've been given the free will and the opportunity to choose to maybe no longer believe something that isn't relevant, maybe no longer hold to a thought that you always thought was just the way it is And maybe it is that way because you continue to reinforce that thought. But if you choose not to have that thought and to now choose to believe that that thought is not relevant, what would that be like?
2: Yeah. And I would say this is where, and we're going to touch on this a little bit more, but in terms of our own self-worth and increasing that, we have to change the way we view ourselves.
1: I think so. That's that inside job and that's that responsibility
2: part that you talk about. So, in the article, there's a quote here referenced by a Dr. Christina Hibbert, and she explains it this way. She talks about the differences between self esteem and self worth. Okay. So, self esteem is what we think and feel and believe about ourselves. Okay. Self worth is recognizing I am greater than all of those things, it's a deep knowing that I am of value, that I am lovable necessary to this life and of incomprehensible worth. It goes even deeper than that. That, Just a deep knowing.
1: No, that's great. Now here's the question though. Where does that knowing come from? And why do some know it and others don't? Right? Great point. Yes. Where does that knowing come from for you? I think the knowing comes from this higher level of consciousness. I think it comes from turning off the monkey mind and in the silence and in the quiet because it's not a generated thought. I think when the masters have talked about knowing, and of course in the Selig work, the authors of the text talk about knowing and they say, when they distinguish between sort of knowing intellectually, but more knowing of the heart, or the spirit. They call it a capital K in knowing. And I think that's the knowing that she's referring to. So there is something present. I will speak for myself. There is something very much present within me that has been there all my life, but I never heard it, and I never felt it, and I never knew it at this level. And I think that is that deeper soul part of who we are, which is the connection to all creation, however we define that. It doesn't really matter how we define it. And so, to answer your question, for me, that's where my knowing comes from. The reason I feel that there's evidence that this is true is that I clearly have not conjured it up in my mind. I was not playing a mental game to try to sort of brainwash myself to believing something. What came well before the believing of that was having a same kind of knowing that I am something greater than this body. I'm something greater than this mind. And when I experienced more in meditation and I took my yoga practice more deeply and then when I really turned it on yoga-wise with kundalini yoga, the connection I felt It was unparalleled with anything else, and it was clearly outside of the physical realm. And so when you have that sense of something being outside the physical realm, because it's not physical, it's very hard to define it. I define it in spiritual terms. I define it in consciousness terms, because at the moment, those are the only words I know. And truthfully, how accurate that is, I don't know. And I really don't care because what's most important for me and many others that experience this is that once you know, you know, it's golden. Yes, you can drift a bit in and out of it to a degree, but when one continues with the practice of the very things that kind of brought the knowing to the level of feeling it and sensing it and being conscious of it, the good news is, is when you drift, when I drift, as long as I keep coming back to those practices the meditation and the yoga and my self-care it brings me back to that knowing so
2: i would say for me too there's definitely a correlation between the knowing and my increased self-worth with my spiritual growth yeah for sure and most or some of our listeners that have been listening to the podcast for a little bit i've been open and shared that I'm a Christ follower, right? Talked a little bit about my spiritual journey here and there. But that's kind of how I've been able to kind of build up my self-worth is through my relationship with Jesus, right? And his whole story, right? And if you believe that Jesus was God and that he came here to die for our sins, my sins, and me knowing that I'm not perfect, right? There are things that I do that are selfish, right? And that we could easily kick ourselves and beat ourselves down because we're resonating on those lower frequencies, right? That knowing that when I think about Jesus' life and if if I truly believe that he died for my sins, that is where I feel the unconditional love and the worth. I am worthy because he died for me, right? Like when you truly grasp what the Jesus story was about. I mean, at least for me, like when it clicked for me, like that really helped me out a lot regarding this whole concept of self worth, that I am loved unconditionally. And there's nothing in nobody that can take that away from me. Right. So back to that deep knowing. And that deep knowing is very powerful. And that
1: experience it's very yeah. powerful. Yep. And that's why we're talking about it, because we want to help enable everybody on the planet to find their path to really understanding their self-worth and their worthiness. I was gonna come back to that Esther Hicks thing. In so many of her audio presentations, she will kind of like almost, I don't wanna say criticize, because that's obviously not the right word, but she will point out and discern how as a species, us humans are so wrapped up into all of this conditional living with respect to some sense of worthiness. And so she'll end a sentence sort of exhorting the people in the audience to shift gears in this regard. And then she'll repeat these words, the worthiness of you, the worthiness of you, the worthiness of you, three times, kind of like reinforcing it. And there's something about When she says that, like that, and I remember the very first time I heard I thought that it's a principle. It's not a condition. It's a frequency. It's a principle. And we can step into that anytime. It's there. We just have to accept it and not resist it. Why do we resist it? It's silly. And I've been resisting it my entire life. And even the thought of just... I mean, I have, my mother gave me the gift of unconditional love, but I've always felt it and sensed it within my closest relationships. But why is that not available for any human being, any relationship, any living creature? Why should it be any different? And when I took it to that level, which I used to think was kind of silly because you think of some of the worst people from a behavioral standpoint, that have inflicted pain on millions, lived over the history of this planet. And you think, well, I'm gonna give that person like unconditional love, but yet, yes. (laughs) Because in the Jesus teachings, forgive them for they not know what they are doing, right? And what he means by that is they're conscious of what they're doing, but they're unconscious from the other standpoint, in that they are at such a low level of consciousness in order to execute that kind of pain, that they can't, that's why he says, I think, what he says. And so, again, it's just this different way of looking at things and choosing to look at things. I used to think that the whole unconditional love for the entire planet, it's still like la-la fantasy land. But you know what, you start doing it, and you start realize it's coming naturally. And then you realize, yeah, this is what true love is all about. And it is really something that can ultimately transform
2: the world. But it's in terms of the importance of self-worth, right? I think this is where I think about how it's important in the sense like in order for you to love unconditionally, you have to receive love unconditionally. And you have to, I think, love yourself unconditionally. That's what I mean. Like receive love and be able to love yourself, right? Because in any relationship, you can only love someone to the level that I feel like you love yourself. I totally agree with that.
1: I mean, you can have some outward demonstrations of it, but I think at the heart, at the deepest level of the matter, the consistency of it, you can't do it. You can't do it.
2: There's a great podcast that I listened to recently It's basically the gentleman that wrote Miracle Morning. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah. But he has a podcast on like the purpose of life. And why can't I think of his name? Is it Hal something? Hal Elrod. There you go. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. (laughs) Credit to Hal. But he touches on the purpose of life and he says that it's very simple and it's, we're living our lives to learn to love ourselves. And, like, when you really think about that, like, that really hit me. It's like. It's pretty profound. Yeah, when you look look at yourself in the mirror, like, how much do you truly love yourself? So, giving yourself unconditional love, so. And as Bob Proctor would say, look at yourself in the mirror and just give your hand a big kiss. (laughs) (laughs) So, let's touch on what determines self-worth. The article touches on a number of things that we... Not that we want to question, but I think naturally, as people in this world, we because when I talk about self worth, it really comes down to value, right? And so the question then becomes, is what do we truly value in life? Okay. And so in the article, it touches on how most people measure and compare themselves. To determine their own self-worth and these are the top five number one is this appearance okay whether it's how much you weigh right the size of your clothing the attention that you receive by others based off of your looks number two net worth whether it's the income that you make the material possessions that you have the financial assets right i think one way people measure how successful they are is the amount of net worth that they have, right, and ideally that that then in turn gives them a greater feeling of self worth right three who you know or who's within your social circle right, and I think that's probably more prevalent i would i think about like in high school, right like who do you know in high school? are you part of the cool crowd? yeah, right, I would say even as adults, right it's like there's people that name drop like and they bring up these people oh yeah so and so yeah i know i know them and this exactly. and that so there's a lot of weight on that as well number 4 what you do or your career right so i do feel like there's a lot of value placed on what we do from a career standpoint how we make our money yeah right for sure. so putting more value on say a doctor versus a janitor right i was going to say garbage collector yeah but- garbage collector And then number five is what we achieve in life, right? Those certain milestones, whether it's success in business, right? Hitting a certain level of profitability, whether it's in, say, in sports, in football, for example, the number of Super Bowls that you've gone to, Pro Bowls, whatever that might be. I mean, even academically, right? What you achieve is the number of degrees that you have, designations, right? And so, and I would agree with that. There is a lot of value placed on those five things, but those shouldn't drive how we feel about ourselves in terms of our self-worth. Sadly, if it does,
1: and here's what all five have in common. They're all temporal. Appearance, from dust you came, from dust you shall return. (laughs) Net worth, not taking it with you, folks who you know, from dust that they came and from dust they return. What you do, not taking that with you, and in 100 years, it may not even be around again or anymore. And then same thing with what you achieve. It's a fleeting moment. It is. It means nothing in terms of the self-worth.
2: But a lot of these things are things that people naturally try to identify themselves right. with, like, this is who I am.
1: I know, exactly. And it's a trap.
2: But that's not really who you are. It's not who you are. No.
1: And so the thing of it is, wherever this came from, however this materialized, that we as a planet have all agreed to pretty much buy into. Because, I mean, this is done by a extremely reputable group in the world. And so I'm taking nothing away from them. But the reality is they're drawing from a history and a body of work. And they're just reflecting it back out to the universe and to the people and the reader of their material. But the reality is this is what's out there. And how it got there and why it got there, I don't know. But what I do know is we all to some degree have bought into it. And that's why it still exists. Yes. And our job is to, one, like any change, become aware of it. Ask if this is really true. Credit to the work of Byron Katie. Ask, is this really true for me? And then when you take a step back and realize how temporary it is and how non-permanent it is, why would you agree to that? And by the way, so if you're quote-unquote ugly, dirt poor, have no good relationships, have a lowly considered career, and have achieved nothing in life, okay? Why would that mean you're not worth anything? It doesn't have to be that way. The only reason you think is because we've agreed to this. What if it said, because you are simply an eternal being? What if it said, because you are one who is sort of a creation of this masterful creation in the universe. Like, do we go around and judge the ants or the grasshoppers in that way? And are they any less worthy? Or isn't the Selig teachings that spider that we fear and that we loathe, that we think is the ugliest creature in the world? What is that all about? It's just another form of energy. Actually, all of this stuff is just forms of energy. So when we have these definitions and conditions and all these constructs of judgment around all these different manifestations of energy. It's all the same stuff in different forms. There's no logical reason for it to be conditional other than somehow that got into our psyche, and I don't know the answer. But
2: I do know this. We have a choice. We do have a choice. And this is where I mean, I think of, when I think of self-worth, I would say unique ability is tied to it, right? I mean, I believe in the concept that each and every single person is unique. Yeah, They're here for a reason. There's a purpose behind their lives. It's just a matter of figuring out what that is. And no matter what it is, it's worthy. Yes. And regardless of where you're at in the journey, in terms of figuring that out, does it mean that you're not worthy. Exactly. Right? Right. Yeah. So, And if you think about uniqueness, every single one of us being unique, I mean, that's the most valuable thing because there's nobody in the world like you. Exactly.
1: We're like little snowflakes floating around. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So where do we go from here? There's a tool on the website where I found the article and it's yeah. called the self-worth scale. Oh, this is the thing that you did. Yeah, so I did it for myself, and it basically measures seven areas regarding self-worth. One of them being, first one, approval from others. Two, physical appearance. Three, outdoing others in competition. Four, academic competence. Five, family love and support. Six, being a virtuous or moral person. And seven, God's love. And so there was a series of 35 questions. Five of those questions were related to each one of these areas. And you basically had to read a statement and then basically give yourself a score from one to seven. One being, I completely disagree. Seven being, I completely agree. And then four right down in the middle being neutral. And they put a scoring system behind it. The interesting thing about this is there were certain statements that you might have agreed to that didn't necessarily score a seven. It was actually the complete opposite. It gave you a one. Okay. So you went, so I went in there, rated myself regarding each of the questions and I wasn't quite too sure. So the the instructions said that you'd basically add up your score for each one of these areas and then you divide it by five and then you'd come up with an average, right? And outside of that, I wasn't quite too sure what to do with the averages other than when I took a look at them, what I felt like what it did for me is it showed me kind of what areas where maybe I draw the most self-worth from compared to the other ones. So an example of that is my top two were I scored actually sevens on, right, where family support, and then being a virtuous and moral person. So those things were very important to me in terms of how I felt about myself, right? Second to that, I scored a 6.6, was my average, was God's love. So those were my top three, okay? And I would say, for the most part, I would agree with those statements. Like, And then my bottom three were basically my worst score was a 3.8, and that was academic competence, My second to lowest score was a 4.2, which was appearance. And then the third one after that was a 5.2, and that's competition. And so those are things, those are three areas that I don't really put a lot of value in in terms of how I feel about myself.
1: Yeah, from a self-worth standpoint.
2: Yeah. And so that's what it kind of did for me. I would encourage our listeners, if that's something that's, or you're not quite too sure kind of where you're putting value in. Might be a, a tool worth doing yeah. and kind of seeing where you fall yeah. in each one of those categories.
1: Surprising, based on the story you shared with me the other day, how your family like reinforced that you were like a super good-looking guy. That on the appearance side, you would score higher. <laughs>
2: that I that I would have. Yeah, you would have thought that, huh? I don't know. Yeah. So remember that conversation. Yeah, to share with the audience. So growing up, right. I'm the oldest of three kids, but growing up, like going to family parties, just meeting people. I'm just going around with my parents and my parents would be talking to other people and through that, they meet me or see me and they, like I'd get compliments and, in Tagalog because I'm Filipino, right? They would say, oh, Aries, whatever. They, they would say that I'm Pogi, right? Which means like, I don't know the direct translation, but it means like good looking or handsome, right? And, Throughout life, and I would say because of that, I never really had issues from a, like, I was always, I want to say self-confident, but I didn't have issues about my appearance. Like, I never really questioned that. I'm like, okay, well, if you think I am, okay, I guess I am. I, I mean, you're a kid, you, and that's the one thing, too, about being a kid and growing up is a lot of times, a lot of the things that are reinforced in terms of, your appearance, how you view yourself is really based off of what others think of you. Yeah, or what you perceive they think of you. Yeah, or what what you're viewing. Exactly, so I just, I found that very interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. I don't know. For sure. Yeah, so I imagine that for someone, let's just say for me, for example, if I never got that growing up, there might have been maybe some questions, some doubts as to whether or not I was a good-looking person, right? I was attractive, right? So one of the things that this story brings up for me is that our experiences growing up in childhood and the compliments that we get and or the criticisms that we get have an effect on our perception of ourselves, which then has an effect on our self-worth. Yes, exactly.
1: Particularly if we are looking pretty heavy at
2: the First criteria
1: of the five, appearance. But of course, the thing that really matters going forward, and thanks for sharing that story, by the way, (laughs) I got a kick out of that when you did that the other day, is how do we move forward with this? I mean, how can we take some active steps in really reinforcing our self-worth or our worthiness? Or as Esther would say, the worthiness of us, the worthiness of us, the worthiness of us. And so I have a couple thoughts on that and I'd like you to weigh in as well. I think the first step that we can all do that I think would go a long way, is that we really begin to become aware of where we don't think we're worthy. Because change always starts with awareness. And really do a little self-examination and see sort of what comes up for you. That's number one. I think number two is, is that when things do come up where you do kind of sense that you've maybe, for some reason, you don't even know why. You don't understand why don't I feel I really deserve this good thing for myself, or to be this way, or to do this thing, whatever it is. Question that, and ask yourself, is this really true? Is this really true? You may find you don't have a good answer, and if you don't have a good answer, then I think you can begin making a motion towards and setting an intention that maybe I don't have to sort of think this way, I don't have to, to really believe in the way I do believe about this particular issue with myself. I think the other thing that will enhance that is to try to find your own knowing, really, of who you are. And I think that comes from being quiet and from really looking always externally to begin looking for your inner voice and hearing that inner voice. So sort of taking a step towards mindfulness and consciousness And meditation goes a long way for that. I think it's a wonderful practice that will help enhance at least our awareness so that we can better understand ourselves and go deeper and intend to make a commitment to really considering ourselves very worthy of all those things that we desire. I think the other thing that could help too are some of these great movements of the body because it puts you again takes your head off of the past or the future or problem solving constantly and the monkey mind going and kind of puts it on your body and i think when you get in touch with your body either through a yoga practice or whatever modality you do that where you just have to be into your body in order to get through the practice then i think that's another way kind of a path inward so i have those suggestions how about you
2: I really loved what was outlined in the article. There's basically five activities and exercises for developing self-worth. Yes. And it really starts with the first thing, which is understanding or increasing your self-understanding. And I feel like I've been doing a lot of that lately and I think it's helped out a lot. Back to the whole unique ability. What is it about me that's unique? How am I different? And a lot of that is, I'm really big on taking these assessments, right? Part of the unique ability process is taking the Colby Index, which really helps you just get clear as to how you take action. That's really helped me out a lot because again, back to the whole awareness is like, this is naturally how I go about taking action, taking StrengthsFinder 2.0, that assessment. you What are my strengths? And so having that, just a better understanding of, who I am, what I bring to the table has really helped me out a lot. And I think that truly is where it starts, right? And back to the understanding, I think this is where you touch on the meditation and some of these practices is just just being in the moment, right? And just looking within yourself. I think those things are important. Then the next thing is acceptance, right? So uh, boost your self-acceptance. This is such a huge thing, right? Back to we have strengths, but we also have weaknesses, and just accepting those things. Be okay with those, right? Hey, look, I'm a five You're foot eight are. Filipino. Okay, like I'm not Good tall. Good looking Filipino, by the way. Thanks, man. I mean, this is where I just got to accept that. Hey, I'm a shorter guy. I'm okay with that, right? Like, that's how I was made. That's that's how God made me. Like, and just being okay with that. There's so much value in just accepting ourselves for who we are. I think that's an important step for us to accept others for who they are. The next one is love. Enhance your self-love, right? I mean, some of these things that I think about is, I also think about like self-care, like the whole concept of self-care. And I think that was something that I really struggled with, just concentrating on taking care and loving other people, but not spending so much time like loving myself, right? And I've, I've been doing a little bit more of that whether they're massages or just doing things that i want to do right instead of making it about other people and obviously I'm not trying to be selfish here and and i don't think i am but taking care of yourself and loving yourself is such a big step in that process of developing self-worth right. and then the next one after that is recognizing your self-worth so in the bigger context that i'm here for a reason I'm loved unconditionally, right? And just really, really living into that. And then through that, the last thing is responsibility. Taking responsibility for yourself. I think that's such a huge and important step in the world that we live in if we want to make a huge contribution is that just knowing that we're responsible for the lives that we live, all the decisions that we make are because of us. Yeah, And... One, we all make mistakes. We're not perfect, but let's continue to learn from them and not play the victim and saying that there's these outside factors, right? And obviously there are, but at the end, like we have the power to change our own lives. And so I really love how the article laid out those five activities and exercises for developing self-worth. Yeah, good stuff. Good starting point for sure. So thanks for
1: sharing that. Any closing thoughts as we're Wrapping up on this topic of self-worth.
2: I would say back to just back to awareness, right? And awareness really being the first step of change. We just got to be aware of the areas in our own lives or the things about ourselves that we like and we love and the areas that we maybe don't love, right? And just learning how to have a better relationship with ourselves and not being so critical you mentioned kind of that the whole monkey mind and just the thoughts and just the internal how it's an inside game and the internal thoughts that we have and we have that voice right whether you view it as the devil right like you have these two different you have the devil on one shoulder and you have you know an angel on the other right and you have that internal voice that's telling you that you're not good enough, that you're ugly, that you're overweight, you're not strong, you're not worthy to have that, right? I think naturally that, you know, we all have that inner voice that's very critical, but I think we also have the complete opposite voice in us too. And that's where the meditation, the spiritual growth helps develop that that voice, within us that says, No, you're loved, you're loved unconditionally. No, you can do it. Go out and do it. Like I would say it's that. Just awareness of those two things and obviously not listening to the critical voice and listening to the the voice of love within ourselves I think is big.
1: Nice. Thank you.
2: Yeah. What about you, Mark? Any
1: closing thoughts from you? I have one closing thought. It's an exhortation to the listeners and myself and you across from me and everybody we know. Put down the judgment sword and love yourself and choose to just live that way. There's nothing positive that comes out of self-criticism and judgment. Nothing. It's like worry. Put it down. Low vibrational energy. Fear doesn't serve you in any way, shape, or form. So start
2: with the judgment piece and put that judgment sword down.
1: Give yourself a big hug.
2: That's it. So everyone go to the closest mirror and you know how you you could kind of hug yourself from the back, right? Go and do that. Yes, love that. Learn to love yourself. Learn to love yourself. Yeah, for sure. As Hal Elrod explains it, that's the purpose of life. It's a miracle worth having.
1: Thank you all for listening. We hope it's been helpful. You're worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Until the next episode. Until the next episode. Health, wealth, and happiness to you all.
0: Some of the concepts and tools used in the process of helping you discover a more balanced and inspired life are provided by the Kinder Institute, Money Quotient, and the Strategic Coach. These may be referenced throughout different episodes of the podcast, and you can learn more about each of them in our show notes at hwph.org. You can also find more information about the work Mark and Aries do at sandiegowealth.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and available directly via email with feedback, questions, and more at us at hwph.org. Thank you all for listening.